the among the voices we have out there telling us what to wear, where to go, where to eat, where to sleep. A lot of voices. What voice are we listening to? He said, my sheep, hears my voice. If you have your Bible with you, open it up to John. John, the 10th chapter, beginning at verse 25, is what we're going to look at for a little bit. My sheep, hears my voice. John 10, 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep, hears my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Listen to the voice of God. My sheep knows my voice. The very first thing we got to look at is, do you know God's voice? Are you in tune with God's voice? Whose voice are you listening to? How do we come to the place to know God's voice? One, as you look at the Word of God, as you read His Word, you spend time in meditation in His Word. I, I was told that if you go to work in a bank, what they would do is they would give you an authentic $100 bill, a real bill, and they'll tell you, examine it, look at it. Look at all you can see on this bill. So when something comes that is not true, it's not right, it's false, you would know it. Sometimes we spend a lot of time looking at other religions, the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses, and we want to read their books and Islam. But we need to spend more time in God's Word. So when we hear something, right there and then, we click on our spirit, this is not God. This is not God. So number one is, we need to be in tune with God's word. Spend time in prayer. Sometimes we hear God's word from the pulpit. I say that sometimes because sometimes you can get things coming from the pulpit that is not God's word. Man made things. They put things into God's word. Man has taken away from God's word. My sheep. Here's my voice. When I was in southern Indiana, I stopped by a friend, uh, Joe Peanut, and he had some sheep. And Joe had the sheep there, and they were just walking, wandering. And he told me, he said, you know, sheep could be very dumb sometimes. They just walk, and they were very easy to be captured. He said, but one thing with a sheep is you cannot push it. You can't pull it. It follows you. He said there was a man that came and wanted to take his sheep out from in the pen. And the man tried all ways to get the sheep out. He did all the calls and all the things and the sheep would not move. But when he spoke, the sheep knew his voice and they followed him right outside the sheep pen. It's the same way with God. Do you know his voice? Spending time in God's word is one way that we know his voice. We know what he's saying. We live in a world today where there's a lot of things that sounds good. You know, he said in the story, the man offered him a free ticket. 
in his spirit, he felt, well, not really. And sometimes people tell you things and you, you hear it, but it doesn't click in your spirit. Maybe God has given you a warning, but sometimes because it sounds good. Because it sounds good, because you, there's a new teaching now that it's all about love. If you really love, it's going to work. So a man loves another man and they got married, but that's not what God's word calls for. Someone does wrong to you, so you want to do them back wrong. What does God's word say? Back in the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But God's word today says, if they slap you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. The first slap, they were in authority. When you turn the, your cheek, you are in authority now. You are saying, I have all authority now. I tell you, if you could and if you cannot. Let me just quickly look at. Okay, here we go. We have to recognize God's voice. We must belong to Him. We must belong to Him. We could come to church every Sunday. We could sing the songs. But you could still be in a place where you don't belong to God. You belong to the church. You belong to the fellowship. You belong to a religion. But you have to have a relationship with him. Like my wife and I, we have a relationship. We've been married for 38 years. Oh, sorry, 48 years. Ooh, I took 10 years off. It's going so well, I didn't even realize it. For 48 years. But it took a lot of time spending with her. You know, there are times I would say something. And my daughters would say, what did dad say? And she would get up and go do what it is I was talking about. Because she knows my voice. She knows what I need. She knows me. We spend time together. She would say things, and before she can finish her sentence, I know what she's talking about. We have to recognize God's voice. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. The more time we spend intimately with God and His Word, the easier it is to recognize His voice. And when he speaks, you know it is God. Some years ago, many years ago, I was at a, a retreat in Maryland. We used to have these retreats with churches in Maryland. And there was a lady that told me, she said uh, her husband left her. And uh, she believed that she's still his wife. Because she said the Bible talks about, you know, not be getting divorced. Eventually, I feel like I agree with you on that. I mean, if it's abuse, you need to separate yourself. But, but it went on, and then about four months later, she called me and she said, I went to a church, another church in D.C., a Mennonite church, and the pastor said, well, since your husband left you, you could just divorce and remarry. And I told her, well, we need to talk about it a little bit more. So I asked Alan Roth if he would go with me, and we went to Washington, D.C. on a Saturday morning. And we sat with her, and all we had was God's Word. That's all we had. No extra book, no extra curriculum. His book, His Word. And I said, uh, now where in the Bible you see that you can just divorce your husband and remarry? I mean, it's a trend today. And she said, well, the church I'm going to, the pastor told me it's okay. And then I had a vision. One night I was sleeping and I got a vision that God told me my situation was different and I could divorce and remarry. 
And I said, well, God wouldn't contradict his word. God hates divorce. And I know today in the church, divorce and remarriage is rampant in the church. As a matter of fact, even right now, I'm talking to you about this, and we're involved in marriage retreat all over the country and different parts of the world. We just did one in Kenya with 110 couples. My daughter, my second daughter, her parents is involved in marriage retreats also. And just while I was in Kenya celebrating what God is doing in Kenya, I get word that my daughter is filing for divorce. And I said, okay, so now whose voice do I believe? No, this is my daughter, but I know what God's word says. Who am I going to give account to in the last day? I need to love her, but I need to know that what she is doing is not what God desires. But are we going to continue? Am I going to continue doing the work God has called me to? The Bible says there will come a time when you will have to separate from father, mother, sister, brother. If you want to follow me, my sheep knows my voice and they follow me. It's a hard thing when it's in your own family. So I'm talking here not because of some people out there. It's because I'm dealing with it right now in my own family. I was the one that married them or did the vows with them. And, and she stood right in front of me and said, uh, till death do us part, in sickness and in death and in, you know what, and made a vow before God and before man. And now they decided to just break the vow. Listen to God's voice because I will have to give account according to God's word. Sometimes it's a sense of peace or a sense of joy that comes over us. I don't know if there are times when you, you, you're praying about something and God just gives you a peace. I, I remember many years ago, I hadn't been back to my home country because we were working on an immigration situation. And uh, God gave me a peace one day while I was praying. God told me, stop, stop praying and asking. Just praise me. And, and, and Second Chronicles chapter 20 tells us a story of a king named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat heard one day that there were three armies coming against him. Not one, not two, but three. Jehoshaphat was, he got fearful. But then he inquired of the Lord and he called a fasting time and a time of fasting for the whole, for all the people. And then when it was all done and the praying was done, one man stood up and said, Jehoshaphat, the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. The next morning, well, as a matter of fact, when he heard that word, he just, just started worshiping God. He started worshiping. The enemies were still coming. <coughs> the problems were still there in the physical, but God had spoken a word through the prophet. The next morning, he got the singers and they put them in the front and they went out singing because they knew that God had everything in control. And the Bible says one army fought the next one and the next one fought the other one. And by the time Jehoshaphat got there, there was no battle. God had worked it out because he was praising God. So I started praising God, praising God that I got everything cleared up, my green card and, and all the problem was taken care of. And I went and bought 17 plane tickets for the whole family, my grandchildren, my children, everyone, in-laws, outlaws, everyone got tickets and uh, we are going to Trinidad but I don't have a green card I can go but then I can't come back 
But I know that God says, just praise me. Someone called me up and said, we are praying for you. I said, don't pray for me. Just praise God with me. He has given me a peace about this. People told me, well, next week you're supposed to be going. You don't have a green card. You're going to lose all the money. Cash in the money. Listening to God's voice is what I was doing. He has spoken to me. And he had told me, I got this. Just praise me. And we just started working. Three days before, we need to fly out. I still don't have a green card. I went to a meeting at the USCIS because I used to work part-time with them. They knew me. They knew my circumstances. And the head of the USCIS, United States Immigration Services, all the heads were there from California, from Chicago, and from New York. And we were talking, and uh, one of my friends, a guy named Pastor Terry Lee, stood up and said, we thank USCIS for Daniel's green card. And my lawyer was sitting there too, and he said, we don't have a green card yet. And all the people clapped. And later on, we met with them and talked with them, and they found out I'm still in the process. The, the person in charge of all of New York got a supervisor and says, I want you to make sure and get this done today. And by the next day, I was ready to go. It was only two days. People tried to tell me, well, you know, you, you know just, just get a ticket and get your money for it. And no, no, no. When God speaks to you through his word and through his spirit, people will try to persuade you or dis disillusion you. I'm going to share a little bit of, of, of a school in a, a little bit. Um, in November, well, four years ago, I heard of this place called Tukana in Kenya. And I always wanted to go there, but people say, oh, it's too hot, it's too far, it's, I mean, the temperature there can run to 100 degrees. It's not safe. But last year I was reading in the book of Nehemiah, how Nehemiah inquired about the people who were left behind in the, from the captivity. And when he heard of the devastation, Nehemiah fasted, he prayed, he mourned, he felt sorry. But then he moved from sorry to compassion, and he wanted to do something about it. And God quickened my spirit to go and see the place. So I didn't listen to anyone. I got three other men, and I told them in November, we're going to Tukana. We bought our tickets and went to Tukana. Just like Nehemiah, we went to survey the land. And when we got there, we see people who have never been to a school, can't read nor write, don't even know the language of Kenya. The language of Kenya is Swahili. They don't even speak that language. They speak one language, the Tukana language. But people told me, you can't build a school here. I, I sit with the elders and I ask them, what do you need? They say, well, all we need is a school. We don't need food, we don't need clothes, we don't need a house. We need a school for our children. Because the drought is two years. Our cattle are dying, our goats are dying, our children need a future. And they told us that in their language and it was translated to us. And we decided we we're going to build. Came back, we prayed again, and God said, build. Said People said, you can't build. There, there, there's no bricks, there's no sand, there's no water. But when God speaks a word to you, listen to the word of God. When God says, I will bring it to pass, he will bring it to pass. 
I shall be more with at school. But the more time we spend intimately with God, the easier it is to understand His voice. So the question is, do you know when God is speaking to you? This can happen through prayer, sermon, Bible studies, or a time just being in the Word. Just reading God's Word. We begin to discern. God's voice can be heard by His Word. The number one thing. The Bible. And if you spend time, if I would spend time in the Word of God, it gets so beautiful. It's so intimate with Him. His Word just come alive. In the beginning, God created a male and female. The world tells us something different now. You have a child and you can't say it's a boy or a girl. You wait till that child gets to a certain age and the child will decide if it's a male or a female. But the Bible tells us in the beginning, God made them male and female. Whose voices are we listening to today? Are we listening to the voice of God or the voice of man? There's a voice of reasoning. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 says, You have heard that it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless them. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. That's hard. That's hard, God, to, to love my enemies. But that's the word of God. It doesn't make sense in the world we live in today. In the world in today, we, we try to trample everyone down. We, so we could stay on the top, push everyone down to the bottom. God allowed the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sent rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Listen to God's voice. Turn your Bible to one more chapter. Romans chapter 12. Before I talk about Romans chapter 12, this is listen to God's voice. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul was struggling. He said, the things I should do, I don't do. The things I should not is the things I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? I don't know if you've ever been to that place where you felt that, oh, sin has overpowered and it's, I can't do what is right. I can't do what is good. But then in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, when Paul got a vision who he is in Christ, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, Now, now that I'm in Christ, now there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. It walks not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, doesn't matter what the world say. Doesn't matter who tried to condemn us. Whom the Son of set free is free indeed. When Jesus set you free, you're free. Doesn't matter what people say. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Now, Paul has gotten a vision. In chapter 8, he talked about the love of God. No heights, no depths, no principalities, powers, things present, things to come will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And now in, in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Now I beseech you. Now I beg you. Now I'm pleading with you. I beseech you by the mercies of God. I don't know for you, but I know the mercies of God. Because that's why I'm standing here today. If I was God, I couldn't forgive myself. But God in his mercy, in his mercy, saw beyond my faults and saw my needs and saved me. 
even while I was yet a sinner, Christ came and died for me. So he says, I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. I've been to quite a few funerals, spoke at many of them. Just last November, I was in our, back in my home country of Trinidad, and I didn't know my brother was sick. I had a brother that was the youngest one, and I went to see him Friday, and by Friday night, late, he died. And I had to speak at his funeral. The one thing I knew, I was told by my younger sister, is that he had prayed to receive Christ about three weeks before, and his life started to change. And I felt, okay, so I, I don't know, but if that's his confession, I'm going to stand on that. And I know because while he was alive, he made a choice. At the funeral, I can't do anything for him. He's already dead. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, it's a reasonable service. That's what God is calling us to do. That's his word. Be separate, come out from among them. Doesn't mean you're not going to be witnessing, but you can't live the way you used to. I can't do it. I can't live the way I used to. If I tell you my story, as some of you might have heard it, it wasn't a good story. But yet God changed my life. But I can't go back there. I can't stand one foot in the world and one No, I can't. We were in, in, in Italy, my wife and I, and in Italy, everybody has wine when they drink, when they eat their food. Well, I used to be an alcoholic. And since I became a Christian, I don't drink. So when they had their wine, I had something else to drink. Because I know the old man is easy to rise up. And I want to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Yes, all things is permissible. But do I do it because it's, uh, you know? No. God forbid. As I look at the church today, sometimes it grieves me to see the state of the church today. Some have added on so much to the word of God that it displeases God. And some have taken away from the word of God that it displeases God also. When he has his word, his voice. And now in the next verse, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to the ways of this world. I would add in, do not be conformed to religion. There's a lot of conformity to religion. If you do it this way, if you dress this way, if you walk this way, if you talk this way, your heart don't have to be totally to God, but you're okay. Let me tell you quickly a story. A story that's found in the Bible. It's a story of ten virgins. Ten virgins were going to a wedding. They all had lamps. The lamps was lit. They all were dressed as virgins. They all talk like virgin. They walk like virgin, like many Christians today. Sing songs like Christians. Talk the Bible. <clears throat> and they're all planning to go to be with Jesus. The ten virgins were on their way. And then they got tired. And yes, we do get tired in this life, in this walk. And they all slept. And then there was a loud sound. The bridegroom is here. Come out to meet him. And all ten of them woke up. And now they started to trim their lamps. And the Bible says five were wise and five were foolish. Five. 
had the oil to take them through the next day. See, you can't live on this morning's sermons only. You have to spend time in God's word, listening to his voice. We think sometimes if we come to church and we, we sing some songs and we hear a message, that's the end. No, no, that's not the end. The oil keeps burning. The world we're living in today, so much attraction, so much attention. We have cell phones, we have, we have tablets, we have iPads, we have everything right in front of us. And the world is coming towards us to destroy the church. We have to spend time in listening to his voice and obeying his voice. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world. Don't let the world dictate what you do. People tell you, oh, you will never amount to anything. I was told that. But in Christ Jesus, I can do all things. See, the Bible says, see, there sometimes you don't feel all that good. But God says you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're not just a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror. That's who God says I am. God says I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. God says I'm an ambassador of Christ. That's who I am. I don't always feel that way. But it's not feelings, it's faith. God says it, whether I believe it or not, it settles it. But you need to know. Don't let people tell you what you can be. You can be all things in Christ Jesus that he called you to. When I first got saved, I never wanted to be a pastor. I didn't want to preach. I never liked standing in front of people. I remember Alan Roth telling me that I'll be a pastor one day, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. I don't want to be no pastor. I don't want to be preaching. But God had something inside of me. Even before I, was a, I got saved, I always had a leadership ability. I was always in leadership. I was the captain of the team, even though I wasn't the best player. God had already gifted me in that. Now it's to direct me to what he wants me to do. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the mindset, the mind that tells you you're going to live in defeat. God says, I'm the head, I'm not the tail. I'm the lender, I'm not the borrower. God says, I can do all things through him. That's what God says. I don't care what you say, I'm telling you what God said. We have a problem today that we don't understand who we are in Christ. We don't understand the power we have in Christ. That when God gives you a word and it corresponds with his word, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation. You've heard the story of a butterfly. This beautiful butterfly is in this little cocoon. It's in a caterpillar. And there's beauty in there that needs to come out. It has to work its way out. You can't help the butterfly come out. I can't help you. It's like the story of the ten virgins. The ten virgins, they dressed and they looked all, but they had a problem. Five were wise and five were foolish. Five had the oil and five, did, five didn't. And then the five who didn't have the oil went to those and said, hey, give me some of your oil. You see, if you sit next to Tanya and she has the anointing, it don't fall on you. You have to get your own anointing. You think if you sit next to Dale and because he's the pastor, you think you can. No, it doesn't work that way. He can give you the oil. As a matter of fact, they told him, go find your own oil. 
There's a place for that. God's spirit is where God is. And they went, and by the time they came back, they said the door was shut. That's a scary thing to think about. The door was shut. And they kept calling and crying out, and the door was shut. The Bible says that many would come and say, didn't I not do this in your name? Did I not go to Africa? Did I not go to Asia? Did I not, did I not teach Sunday school? And he says, away from me, you workers of iniquity. You did it for your own self, for your own pride, for your own glory. Five were wise and five were foolish. My question to you today was a question asked of me. As a matter of fact, last week, Tuesday, last week, Tuesday, was 33 years ago, I pretty received Christ in New York City. On a cold Thursday night, rain is falling. I was supposed to go to school in Manhattan and I did not go because it was too cold. And Alan Roth and a couple of us came and shared the gospel with me. Now, I love debates. I love to talk. I mean, you had a blue shirt on, I could tell you that shirt is green. And I, could con I want to convince you it's green. I love debates. And Alan wanted to debate me. And I love that. I knew a lot of Christians. I knew two types of Christians. One had a big Bible like this. And a very sad looking face. Like Jesus I love and nobody else. I didn't want to be a Christian like that. And then the other Christian would come to church, uh, come to parties with me on Friday night. We would drink and smoke and take drugs on Friday night. And then on, sa on Sunday morning, they wanted to take me to church. I didn't want to be that kind of Christian. But I knew enough in the Bible that I could debate. I knew wives need to submit to their own husbands. And I didn't care about husbands love your wife. That's not for me. I'm not a Christian. I knew what I need to know. But Alan asked me one question that night. I want, to talk, I want to close with that. The question is, when you die, where would you spend eternity? That's question number one. Question number two, if Christ would come right now, right here at this moment, are you going to go with him? It's a very serious thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I was leading worship this morning. Yeah, that's good. That's very good, very commendable. I mean, I preached a message this morning. I got to go with him. But is your heart right with God this morning? Do you know for sure if Jesus Christ comes right now, where are you going to go? Do you know if when you're going home, God forbid, and you get in an accident and you die, where will you open your eyes? Where will you open your eyes? There's a real serious place called heaven. But there's also a place the Bible talks about called hell. I know that's a whole debate and discussion I'm not going to get into now. But there, there are two places. Jesus said, I am going to prepare a place for you so where I am, you will be also. Heaven, he has prepared for us. And hell for the demons and those that are disobedient to God's word. Where would you spend eternity? It's a question I don't want you to speak out loud, but let God just speak in your own heart. Do you know for sure? Where are you going to spend eternity? Are you really in the fold? Or are you outside the fold? Do you know his voice? My sheep hears my voice and they know it. And they follow me. 
You follow my commands. Do you know God's voice? Are you listening to God's voice? Again, we go back to the story we begin with. The pilot offered the man a ride, and then him, the man was all alone. Sometimes people do that. They take you on a ride, and then they just let you go. And now you're on your own. But then there was a man in the tower. And the man in the tower said, if you listen to my voice, you can't see me, but I can see you. You can't see God in the physical world, but he can see you. And he's saying, listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. There's a cross. The cross is going to take you home. The cross that was put there for you and I, where Jesus hang on the cross because of his love for you and for me. And he died to set us free. I know you're free. What are you doing with your freedom? In a couple of weeks, I'll be at the Urban Youth Workers sharing about discipleship. In the world we live in today, in the church today, that's like secondary, third. I mean, it's like, it's like the great suggestion instead of the great commission. What are we doing in the church today? The enemy is using media, multimedia. They're using Facebook. They're using TikTok and all these things to draw our hearts away from God. What are we doing to draw hearts to God, Jesus? What are we doing? Are we listening to his voice? Jesus says, all power, all authority on heaven, on the earth is given unto me. Go. Not think about it. Not pray about it. Not meditate on it. Go. And make disciples. Go and make disciples. That's his voice. Go and make disciples of all. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have everything. Well, I can't talk and I... We have all kind of excuses. Myself included. I remember when Alan Roth used to tell me, let's go out door to door and do evangelism. I used to hate that sometimes. But you know, at the end of the day, after talking to a couple of people, God gave me a joy and a peace. It's not easy to talk to someone and they're looking down at you. But it's not me. They're rejecting him. I'm only the messenger. Don't kill the messenger. I'm just the messenger. So I, I, I'm not going to get into that, that whole thing of discipleship, but I've been meditating on it as I was driving, coming here and and. God is calling us to do something, to wake up, church, wake up. Many of us, we, we're glad to have our little assembly here, and we all have the light, and we're all shining light on each other. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. But is that world of darkness out there. Are we spending time in that? I think it's good to make money. We need money to, to live in this world for mission, for your own needs, for your family. But is that all God is calling us to do? Have a family, make money, and die? And souls are going to hell daily? While I was in Kenya, we had a school with about 1,200 boys. Preached a message. 
and the Spirit of God came. And these young men, these were high school, they were just weeping at the altar. Weeping at the altar. Surrendering their life to Jesus. And I said, Lord, it's not me, it's you. It's all you. But you gave me an opportunity to be a part of this. Are we a part of God's kingdom building? Oh, we're just a part of the church here. It's a challenge. I'm not condemning anyone. I, I know many of you have been to places and is doing things. But I want to challenge you. Because I'm challenged every day. People ask me, how do you keep going? 68 years old. I mean, all kind of stuff in the hospital. Seven and a half toes, one eye. I mean, I mean, I got a lot of things I could complain about. People don't know I could only see in one eye. I had a surgery and it went bad. I could only see in one. I had one toe knocked off, the next one knocked off, the next one knocked off. Do I just say, oh, poor wretched man that I am? No. Sometimes I go a little off balance, but I keep going. <laughs> I keep close to the pulpit and I could hold on sometimes. But don't let the little handicap you have make you into a handicap. No. Share the gospel. Share hope. Share the joy of God. You know how excited I was just to be able to come here this morning? When Dale told me I, could, I, I just want to preach the word. That's, I love this. I love this. I love cooking. I love to see people eat and sit down and fellowship. I'm going to do it until I die. Because what God has done for me, His mercy, kept my marriage for 48 years, kept my wife loving me more than I could love myself, I tell you, it's great. Let's stand. I could go on and on and on, but my question to you today, are you listening to the voice of God? Well, first, uh, I mean, to know his voice, you have to spend time in his word. To spend time in his word, you have to surrender your heart to him. I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm talking about come to the place to say, you know what? I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Jesus Christ come into my heart. That's the first thing. Lord, I repent of my sins. No longer am I living in this way. Lord, I want you. I want you to fill me. And that's the beginning. That's not the end. When you pray to receive Christ, that's the beginning of the journey. It's a continual thing. Continual thing. It's like, it's like the, the, the five wise ones. They had oil to keep them going. To keep going. Not Sunday morning sermon only. Not listening to Dale when he preached or whoever preached. But finding your word for yourself also. Find the word for yourself. My question is, are you a part of the fool? Or are you sitting outside making the same noise and making everyone feel you're a part of? But you know what? You're going to stand before God one day. I'm going to stand before God one day. Would you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have done well coming to my kingdom. Or would you say, I've never known you. You had all the right cliches and you know all the words to say and you know all what you need to, to do, but you never did it. If that's you this morning, if you have never prayed to receive Christ, you, you fake it all the way through here, do it today. Do it today. God didn't just send me here just to cook food and to have fun with you, but to challenge you. 
If you have never prayed to receive Christ, you can do it. You don't have to come in front of here. You don't have to, You just ask him. Say, Jesus, Lord, you know, I, I'm a wretched sinner. I need a savior. Lord, you came to save me, but I repent of my sin and I want Jesus Christ to become my savior. And then tell someone. It's not a, you don't have to go to high school to do that. I didn't even go to high school and I, I did it. Or maybe you're here this morning and you yes, there's so many voices out here telling you what to do, who you are, what you can be. And, and the voices are all there and you need prayer this morning. I want to pray with you also that you would know his voice. You would listen to his voice and he'll take you home. And he will take you home. Whatever the struggle is this morning. See, I think, I think of church like a hospital. The hospital, you come in and you, you, know, you bruise and bend up and bind up and, and, and they kind of fix you up physically. Church does the spirit work in you. Gives you a renewed spirit. So with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, I'm going to pray. If God spoke to you today and maybe you listen to the wrong voices, maybe TikTok is taking over or YouTube or or Facebook and, and, and all these different things or people have condemned you and you believe in what they're saying and they tell you you could never amount to anything and God is saying to you today you're my child I died for you the Lord Jesus said I died for you so that you could be set free don't sit in bondage don't live in sin I have died so you could come out from that sinful place and your life could be renewed. Maybe it's a loved one you've been praying for. That they will listen to the voice of God. We're going to pray together. And see God works. His word will never come back void. It will always accomplish the task it was sent for to. Listen to his voice. Father in the name of Jesus. We give you thanks and praise this morning for who you are. You are God and there is none like you. Lord your word says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Today we come, Lord, bowing before you, O God, because you are God and there's none like you. Lord, you said we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are holy people. We are chosen generation. We are peculiar people. For those of us that are Christians, help us to live that life. Maybe someone today is praying to receive Christ for the first time. Lord God, hear their prayer. Lord, this is a serious business we're in today. Because the world is trying to steal us away. But Jesus Christ, you have come. And you have come that we can be set free. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, whoever it is today, Lord, may be struggling with the word. Maybe the voices they may listen to is the wrong voices. Lord, I pray they would hear your voice. And you can say to them, my sheep knows my voice. And they follow me. Father, thank you for these, your people. Bless them. Multiply, Lord God, their spiritual needs and even their physical needs, their emotional needs, financial, whatever the needs are, oh God. Meet those needs. And Father, we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I, I wanted to go right in. You could be seated. I wanted to go right into sharing about the ministry but maybe you're here this morning and maybe God has spoken to you or maybe you want to give a testimony 
I don't know for this church, but one of the things grieves me in our Mennonite churches or the Baptist churches is the lack of testimony. We all have prayer requests, but it seems like God doesn't answer because nobody has a praise report. So maybe you have a praise report this morning. Maybe God has spoken to you. Maybe he has done something for you this week. Won't you stand up and give him a testimony? It's not about you. God wants to use your testimony to bless someone else. Because the same thing he has done for you, he'll do for them. So anyone wants to give a testimony this morning, it's free. You don't have to pay anything. It's a Mennonite thing. Free. Anyone? Don't meet me out in the hallway and say, I wanted to say it. Because it's not going to do much good for me. But in an assembly like this, somebody's listening to a word of encouragement. You come out of that old bondage that says, you know, when you stand up and you give a testimony, you're boasting. Yeah, I am. I'm boasting what God is doing. So don't be ashamed to boast in God. I don't want you to stand up and tell me what you have done and what he has done for you, in you, and through you. Anyone? No one? Man. This is your testimony is my testimony what you just said there I could stand here and tell you all these things but I struggle with that sometimes there's so much you know when we had the whole Black Lives Matter and we had election and you hear all these voices and sometimes you get swayed away I'd rather listen to God's word and his voice we get swayed away by the world and all the compassion of the world and, and we start transforming into something that we shouldn't be transforming into and conforming into the things that we should not. Anyone else? Opportunity for one more. But thanks for that. Amen. 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 That's powerful, you know. We have what the world needs. <coughs> Yet we're running after what they don't even know what they're looking for. But we have it. The church has everything that we need and the world needs. And rather than lead, many of us are following. Thanks for that.
Anyone else? Before while I plug in my stuff here, I love hearing testimonies. It always reminds me of myself, uh, my growing times, uh, growing pain. All right, we're not going to prolong it. Uh-huh. <coughs> it's about ten minutes. Oh, you want to see some exciting pictures? <laughs> all right, all right. Here we go. I'm going to go right into it. Let us rise up and build. Taken from the book of Nehemiah. Um, yeah, let me know when we're on. I'm plugged in, but... Um, this video was taken last year in November. The first picture you're going to see. When we went and uh, surveyed uh, the land here, in a place called Tukana County. This is Tukana County. If you notice, there's South Sudan on one end, Ethiopia on the other end, and then there's Uganda on the, on the right side. And if you come all the way down, it's Tanzania. And uh, that's a part of Kenya. That's only a county called Tukana. It's the poorest county in Kenya. The richest county is Na Nairobi, the capital. But this is where we go, Tukana. We fly into a place called Ludwa, and from Ludwa we drive for about two and a half hours on a nice road until we get to Kakuma. And then from Kak uh, Kakuma, that's uh, the town of Kakuma. Then from there, we have about an hour drive to go to the village we want to, we're doing the work in. And that's all road with, if you've ever been to La Sousse in Haiti, it's like that. There's no road. You just kind of figure they know where they're going, so you go. And it's just, they're just driving through the rivers. The nice thing about the rivers, there's no rain, so there's no water. So you don't have to worry about the, the rivers too much because there's no rain. Uh, everything is solar. The electric, um, the solar is from the um, street lights that are run by, by solar energy. And that's in the town. In that town, you have schools, you have things. But the village we are going to now, um, you could, you know, take your, your whole couch on a, on a motorcycle and, you know, people move things on. So this is one of the big rivers that has no water at all. It's been dried for more than a year because there's no rain. There's a drought. You may hear about those droughts. As a matter of fact, the president of Kenya two Saturdays ago called a national day of prayer and fasting for rain. The president called a day of fasting and prayer. So there we are going through the refugee camp. A refugee camp was built for 70,000 people. Now they have 160,000 people in the camp. But the people in the camp live better than the people that I'll show you in a little while because the UN gave them food and uh, some shelter, not the best place, but they have a refugee camp and they have seven different nations of people there. We got a flat tire on the way, so things didn't go all smooth. And now this is not showing, so we'll go to the next one. Okay, wh why is it not showing? Is it because of the video? Hmm, the video is playing on a TV, but I'm not seeing it. Hmm? Well, I don't know why it's, it's, I'm not seeing anything on my tablet. See, the videos are not playing, but this, this video, I'd love you to see it. It was a celebration of the children when they came. Let me see something.
Well, you can't see the picture, but you can hear the song. <laughs> what it is. I wish you could have seen the joy in their faces because they heard we were coming to build a school. The word went out that we were coming to build a school. Because when we met with the elders, they said we wanted a school. So in, November, in um, February, the first of February, we left. A group of us left and went to help to start build the school. It's amazing. In one month, we raised the money for the school that we, we needed at the time. Without going on Facebook, without having a lot of things, a God thing. The first money came from right here in, in, right here in Pennsylvania. We were here and I talked to one man and he, he gave $10,000. And then the next one, 10, and by the time we were ready, we had all the money we needed at the time for the building. So, yeah, so you have the pitch here. Okay, so maybe, so this is the tree here. We had the service under the tree. Um, we were expecting around 300. By the time they all came, it was almost 1,000 people. And some came from a two-hour walk because the village are way back and all of them had to walk. There's no transportation there. And the, the videos are not showing, so we'll have to leave that out. And uh, so this is where we had our first service. Um, And these are the very colorful people. They're called Tucana people. Uh, like I say, they only speak one language, the Tucana language, which is their own dialect, their own tribal dialect. Um, they have these things under their neck. The more you have, the more beautiful you are as a lady. And um, when you get time to get married, you get, the, you get the choice of, well, you don't get it. Your parents get the choice of the money. And then you get the choice of a husband that you don't like. Anyway. So these are some of the people. Now, you, you look at their faces, but look beyond their faces, there's a soul. Beyond the faces, there's a soul. They don't look like you. They don't look like me. They don't talk like me, but there's a soul because God created them. The Bible says God created all of us. And these people have never been to a school, no school. They can't tell their names. And if they see it in a big billboard, they have never been to school because the closest school is about a three-and-a-half-hour walk. Some went one time and the kids just slept there and never went home until the weekend. And uh, so there we are, we are getting ready to, to go over to where we're going to build a school. And the ladies are gathering together. And we're going to move it faster here. And oh, you're missing a picture here because it was showing their kitchen. But I can't see the kitchen because it's in a video. Uh, we had some folks from southern Indiana, from northern Indiana, sorry. And the next video is not showing. And the next video is not showing. And for some reason. And then we, they are last year, they, they, they taught them the song that Jesus is my savior. Um, some of them don't understand what all that means. But they just know it's something that sounds good. Because you could tell them the word, but they can't read the word. So one of our things is to start teaching them the Bible. Teaching them in, in two languages, in Swahili and in English. We, we had some Bibles from Christianity. We couldn't give it to them because they can't read. So I, hear, I am leading the, the group from where we had the service. And they were singing all the way there. And you would think, why these people are singing? I mean, they don't have food. They don't have nothing. But they just have the joy of God, knowing that there is hope. There's light in the valley. There's a school. This is the, the older men 
uh, separate. They walk together by themselves. And they have these sticks and a little seat about this big. They sit on that all day long. And when they get tired, they use it for their pillow. And that's one of the places we had the, the food in that little sh thing where some of them lived in that. That's what some of their homes look like. They don't have to worry about rain coming in because there's no rain. And then we... And, uh, yep, all the videos are not showing, so we'll just move on. So the first thing we did was we, we built a fence, and now we are going there, and the rocks, the people gathered the rocks themselves. They went out, and we didn't have to buy rocks. I mean, it's a rocky place. They children, everyone just gathered the rocks, and they brought all the rocks we needed. And uh, we're heading over. Got to the fence, get in the gate. And that's our ceremony we're doing to begin the school. That's what it looks like. I wish you could have seen how they build the bricks. They build them one brick at a time. They have a little mole, and they put the cement in it, and they pull the mole out. It's 100 degrees, so it dries fast, and they go to the next one. They did 3,500 bricks like that. And uh, so that's before we put any building in. That's one of the ladies working there getting uh, some of the posts for the, for, the, for the fence. So we have the local people working there. And some of them, we give them, some, some of them get like $3 a day just to give them something, um, which they are glad for. But some of them just want to do the work so they get the school to, to get the school. Yeah, they start in the bill, they put a trench in, and the brick, they were showing how they're making it. You can't see that. Um, we had to buy water because there's no water, there's no well. So we had to bring in truckloads of water. And that was costing us more than we wanted to pay. And um, so we got those big water tanks. And every two days we had to get a truckload of water. Because uh, especially for the building itself, they had to, all the water they used to keep that cool, the, the, the brick. That, right back there, that thing there, that's an ant. Uh, what do you call them? An ant? Nest? No, ant something. There's a name for it. Ant Hill or something like that. Ants build that. As a matter of fact, I want to do a message on that. When we come together, what we can build. The thing, little ants would build that. And you see them all over the place. We went in and examined some of them very closely. Those are the bricks there that they're making. We have the gravel. The first thing we needed was a toilet, because there's no toilet. None. There's no trees for the guys to go and hide behind. So we put a toilet in. It's not a toilet with flushable. It's just a hole in the ground. And there's no toilet seat or anything. You just squat there and do what you got to do. And you keep going. We have two for the men and two for the ladies. And I asked them, could we put one toilet at least? Well, there's no water. And then if you do put a toilet in and you get a water tank, people's going to use all kinds of stuff, bush and grass and whatever, and clog it up. So we made what they could, what they used to. Um, and so here they are building it. That's, that's our, about eight days after, no, seven days after, we came back and we saw that. And it was unique. The people come, even if they're not working, and they just hang out. It's just like a, you know, there's nothing else to do. So they hang out outside, and some come for work, and some sell porridge and try to make a living. And this lady, she cooks for them, and she's making the food there, right on there. And bring your water on your head like you normally they do. So the fence is up and our transportation with our luggage on the top. And uh, I had 26 suitcases. 
Because right after that, we did a marriage retreat um, for 110 couples in another part of Kenya. So anyway, I'm going to go all the way back to the building thing here. We work, we work in, a, in a lot of the schools in, in other area. All video. They play volleyball, you know, Mennonite game. And you guys go out there, you could probably put a hurting on them. Uh, this guy, uh, he plays the harp, Edward Classen. He went along with us. They were amazed. They never even saw a harp before in their life. They heard about David playing the harp. And he was a big hit with his harp. We had an egg and spoon race, and he won, and he was all happy. He got a medal. Um, this is when we went back to the, we went back after one week, one and a half week later, we went back. And this is a church that meets out in the sand, and the de there's no building. That's the pulpit right there. You put your, your Bible on there, and you, everybody sit outside. And this girl here, some of you might know her. Her sister works with, did you, right? The sister, what's her name? McFarlane? Right, that's, that, this one is Jamila. She, uh, she lives there. She and her husband, they have a mission there. They his, her husband is the one in charge of mission for CAM. They did really good. They gave us about 2,000 worth of food items that we can give, box of food. This was a pastor's retreat we did, and they all got Bibles. They were all excited that they had their own Bible. These were pastors from different countries that lives in the, the refugee camp. Uh, there's the pastor's wife. We had one for the men and one for the ladies' conference. And now they're getting food. And then I spoke to all of them together. This girl, her hair looked a little scary, but um, she was being sent, they were being sent home because they couldn't afford to pay their school fees. And we paid their school fees for them for the year. It was about $250 a year for boarding and lodging. There's an orphanage that we worked with. And the kids were so happy to have someone just to hold them. They fell asleep on this guy. He's from Southern Indiana, Davis County. Um, all right, so now this is the, the toilet now, ready to use. Steel doors and everything else. The buildings, go, well, um, this was uh, two weeks after the building started moving up. By the third week, we were there. And then this is where we decided, instead of doing the wooden frame, we did everything in steel and concrete because of termites and because of the heavy winds there. We needed something really strong. So the expense went up um, to finish the building more than we wanted to, but it's going up great. This was three weeks after. And this is what it looks like last week, Monday. Last week, Monday is what it looks like. Um, within the, the, the new pitiers, I think the roof is done. And uh, once that is done, the next thing we're looking at is getting the desks and the uniforms. We have 100 kids we're going to put in that little place, 35 kids in each room, three rooms. Um, and then we have an office. Uh, we have a, a kitchen and a toilet. That's all we have there right now. And uh, so we're looking for uniforms for the, for the girls. It costs about $35 for the year. That would give them a uniform with your shoes. And in Kenya, you must have uniform. All schools must have uniform. And the, the government is going to give us teachers. Well, so far, they only give us one. We asked them for three teachers. And it's going to be run by the pastors. We have a pastor that is a committee. They're going to run the school. And the teachers are all Christian teachers. They may give us one more teacher, and then we may have to pay another teacher. And that's at least $10 a day for a teacher to come and teach every day. So that's on, ongoing. 
And also what we want to do is we're going to open the school on May 19th, May 20th. And then every day, these children are going to get one meal from Monday to Saturday. Every day they get a meal, which would be sometimes the only meal they got because all they get is this porridge. <laughs> it's flour and milk. They get because they have cows, and the cow milk with the flour, maize, mix it up, and that's what they have every day. But we want to give them some rice and some beans or something like that. So that's what some of the funds we are raising to get the school uniforms, to get the desks. The desks are going to cost us like $30 a desk, which is a three-child with a little bench on it. Um, and uh, it's, uh, like I say, it's 100 kids. We can't put more than that. There's much more kids, but it's funds coming. We could all add on to the building. So that's our presentation. That's what we did. I'm going back on May 17, my wife and I. And we're taking a small group of people with us, very small, maybe six of us, to go and have the school opening. And uh, school starts back in May. Um, they, they get out of school in April and then May because June and July is their winter months. That's when it starts getting cooler. Instead of being 100 degrees, it might be at least 95. So we because, you know, it might be a little cooler. The nice thing is we have an air-conditioned hotel. So we, when we go back, we have a place to relax. Um, we kind of cheat on that one. Any question? Quickly before. Um, yeah, we finish early today. You can surely have it. Uh -huh. Good question. Okay, so they left, they left South Sudan. They are called nomads, where they would just travel. But then they found this village, and they, they've been living in that village for the last 30 years. And they lived there. Things were going great until two years ago. There was a drought started. Uh, I mean, we're driving the road, and you see, you see a dead zebra on the side of the road, a dead cow on the side of the road, because there's no grass and there's no water. But they, just, they, they, they don't leave that village. As a matter of fact, they live in Kenya. But when you go to them, they'll ask you, how is Kenya? Because they're so remote from everything. You know, you think of some of our Amish brothers and sisters, they, it's different there. Um, I, I just imagine when a, a woman is having a baby there. There's no doctors, there's no hospital, there's no nurse. If there's complication, what happens? She dies and they bury her and they bury the child. That's it. Very, some would call it primitive, but it's different. And, um, but that's where they live. Many of them have never been out of that village. Then there's some of them would go to the market, but they have to walk. It's about a, eh, about a three hour, three and a half hour walk to Kakuma Township where they will buy stuff. And then they'll bring it back. But all they get is flour, mostly flour, and they have their own milk, and that's what they make for food. They have some in the morning and some in the evening. Any other question? You could go on. Um, it's like a good thing. If, if you want to go online or go on YouTube or so and uh, type in Tukana County, Kakuma, it shows you the drought. There's one video where they're feeding cows cardboard. I don't know what they get from cardboard, but that's what they do. They have where they're propping the cows up so they wouldn't fall. And they talk about the drought. One, one, one little boy, all he eats is this little, like an almond. And he beats until he gets to the seed, and that, he has that for a meal every day. So it's, uh, we think of poverty, and I've been to Haiti and other places, but it's the worst I've seen. And uh, the area they live in, and they're human beings. Their souls, we'll be living ten, 10 years down the line, they'll be able to read in the younger generation and get to know the word of God. And uh, so we, we're looking at the mission as well as a humanitarian effort also. The way we, can, we also have a, that building, there's a little building you saw, that's our church. 
It's made up of tin, just galvanized all the way around, and just wood. And we have they have church there. There's no chairs, no seats. You sit on the ground and have church there. Any other question before I turn it back over to to Dale? All right. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to share. And if you have any questions, uh, see me. I um, I love. If you want to go to Kenya, we are going in January. Uh, we take a, we take groups in, in in January to go. I must tell you, it's a lot of traveling because we don't go in one place. We move from place to place. We spend three days in one place. We have a hotel there, and we go to a school. We go to a lot of the boarding schools, the boys' schools, the girls' schools, and they have around seven hundred to nine hundred kids in one these schools. But they know how to praise God. I wish the videos would have showed.